Okay, there are some people on the group that uh, don't have high enough Skype. They have to get up to 5.0 to be on the group. So if you're not 5.0, you're not going to be going, you're not going to get onto the group. Okay. Skype 5.0, it's easy to do. Send, I'm sending no. the link out to one person. Okay. Anybody have a video? Everybody else has video. What do I do with video here? You have to answer on video, that's all. What? You have to answer on video when we send the call. Okay. Oh, so hang up, send me again, okay? okay I'm doing it again. Okay, we are ready to start. Skype is on. Um, those who are on Skype, I don't hear you. Pashas, you see so? Get some cups, please. Pash, you see so? Yud Gimel, other Aleph, other Rishen. Because it's Adarishan and not Adarishani, so therefore we are going tomorrow would be Tainus Esther Cotton, and of course there is no Tainus. People will not fast tomorrow. Paperwork that comes in here. Pash Kisiso. Is one of the examples of Ain Muktumamuch about Teira. Where Teira does not have earlier and later, does not have in a, a necessarily in a, chrono- in a chronological order. And it's a typical example of such. As we see, the discussion in this week's Parsha is the happening of the Chesa Egel. But ironically, technically the Parsha itself, not just one Parsha with another that has this lack of chronological order, within the Parsha itself, thank you, within the Parsha itself, it lacks the chronological order. The Pasha begins He sees us, Reish Bnei Saul of Gudeim. 
V'nosnu ish kaifer nafshei l'Hashem. A person should give, each person should give a kaifer nafshei. A kapara for his nefesh, for his soul. It's quite a large, quite a quite a tall order. A kfiris nefesh. Person does chasusham and aveda, and he has to do tshuva. We understand he has to do tshuva for an aveda. You have to bring a carbon for an aveda. We understand. Kapara for nefesh for a soul. It's very very broad. Next pasuk tells us zayitnu. God tells Meishan, this is what you should give. The word Zeh is used only when Marabe Etzba, it says. When the person shows with his finger, he says Zeh. Generally, we find the Nevi'im had different expressions they used. Koya Mar Hashem. Or they've heard from Hashem. Shimud Var Hashem. The word Zeh the only one that was able to use the word Zeh was Moshe. Except, by Kriyas Yamsuf, when the Jews crossed the Yamsuf, and the Eden called out, Zeh Keli V'yamveos. The Medish tells us, this was the children that called out. And they had a very interesting, this is the first real conversation, where the teenagers had an issue with their parents. Chazal tell us that the children, the gezeda on the children was kalaben ayilad hayeda tashnichuhu. Pare decreed any boy, any male child that's born should be thrown into the river, the river Nile. Now, as the Eden left Mitzrayim, suddenly children show up. The parents said, Where are you? Now, today's day and age is common practice that a uh, teenager shows up late at night and the parent says, Where were you? And the teenager has to conjure up some kind of excuse. Some kind of story, some kind of reasoning. Here it was a totally different story. Here they disappeared not for one night. They disappeared for years. And now they came across their parents. They were not little babies anymore. So they told this magnificent story. We were in the field. In the field... We were protected by day and by night, by this and by that. Eat? Oh, we had food. How did you have food? We suckled from the stones. We suckled from the food. You suckled milk from the stone? You suckled from the stone. The parents started getting very weary. This is the first time really parents stopped trusting. This is what the basis I guess the parents not trusting teenagers when they come up with these stories. 
They came up with a magnificent, fantastic story. This is the, we tell the famous story, we've told it many times, of the child that came home from Hebrew school. And it was time, it was Pesach time. So the teacher was teaching them about the Jews going out of Egypt. So the mother said, what did you learn in Hebrew school? He said, oh, the Jews left Egypt. How did they leave Egypt? Oh, well. Oh, well. Did your teacher not tell you? I, yeah, he told me. So didn't you listen? I listened. Of course I listened. Of course. You better be listening. I paid for this. I listened. What happened? Oh, well, they had a group of spies. And they figured out. How, you got to be kidding me. I don't know what it says. Resowing, resowing, planting over again. They had a group of spies, and the spies were magnificent, and they came and they had a great plan, and they figured out how to how to leave Egypt. They saw where the weaknesses were, where the weak spots were, and they left. Aha! Uh-huh. The mother says something's wrong here because she knows that's not what happened. Go ahead, my child. Continue. Well. They got out of Egypt, and they started to leave. Okay, continue. Is that it? Uh, child sighs and says, no, it's not it. So well, what happened after? Well, they started to go, and um, the Egyptians started to chase them. The Egyptians started to chase them. Oh, this is now the mother's remembering when she was a child, and she learned in Hebrew school. And lo and behold, the child tells the story that they ran and they came to the Red Sea, to this Sea of Reeds. What happened then? This is the mother's favorite part. The splitting of the ups of what could have been more magnificent. Well, the child says, the Jews were very, very intuition. They had great intuition and they were brilliant and they were smart. They were, must have been scientists and the Jews already. And what happened? Well, they, they took barrels and they threw the barrels into the water and they formed a bridge to get across the, the water. And when the last Jew was crossing, he took a stick and he broke the barrels so the Egyptians couldn't cross. And that broke the straw. That was the straw that broke the camel's back. The mother let loose. She says, what are you talking about? Is this what your teacher taught you in Hebrew school? I'm going to get my money back for this. This is insane. This is absurd. The boy starts to cry. Why are you crying? The boy says, Mom, if I told you what the teacher really taught me, you'd really take me out of Hebrew school. You'd really deem them nuts. <coughs> Here, the children came across and they pointed Zach, Kaylee, Van Vey with their finger and they told their parents, this is the God that we talked about. We told you protected us in the fields and it gave us the milk from the stones. This is that they saw the Abishta, they recognized the Abishta to such a level they used the actual highest level of Kedusha, of prophecy, which was Zeh. Here the Abishta uses the word Zeh. God himself uses the word and he says, Zeh Yitnu, this is what you have to give. Mind boggling. Moshe was Moshe. Truthfully, it says about Shlema Melech, he was the man, the smartest of all men. And Moshe, we just take for granted that Moshe was a smart man. 
Moshe was a holy man. Moshe saw the Ebrister. Moshe spoke to the Ebrister. Moshe spent 40 days and 40 nights, three times up in heaven, without eating, drinking, or sleeping. Who was holier? What was holier than Moshe? But we find several several flaws in Moshe's armor, kinks in his armor. The menorah had to be built, <coughs> and Moshe is kasha. He didn't know how to. And Hashem tells him, throw this gold in the thing, in the fire. Then, the machsa shekel has to be given. The half a shekel. This is what you have to give. Again, Moshe was confused. What is it? Sirashi tells us in a short version. Rashi says he showed him a sort of a coin of fire. And its weight was a half a shekel. And he told him, Koze Yitnu. Not Ze, but Koze. As this, such as this. Needless to say, the Mechama Shemikah is very confused from this Pasuk. From Rashi's explanation. But even more so, Rashi himself differs. He differs in his explanation from what the Medrash tells us. The Medrash says that God reached under his throne, under his Kiseya Kavod, and from the Kiseya Kavod, he took out from under the Kiseya Kavod the fiery coin, and he showed him the fiery coin. Now let's call a spade a spade. We're dealing here with the Mechamesh the Mikra, the five year old that's learning Chumash. And he's a very brilliant five-year-old and extremely inquisitive. And he wants to know every single nuance. He wants to know everything that's going on here. And when something is not going right, he has to understand what it is that's wrong. Comes Rashi and gives a half explanation. And he only says that he showed him a Matbeya Shal Eish. Now, first of all, the Medish also tells us that Moshe was Niskasha. He was in doubt. He was finding a difficulty understanding this coin. What was so difficult to understand what a coin has to look like when the currency was, whatever currency they were using. But here, no, he had a difficulty. And secondly, why is Rashi omitting the Kisei HaKovit? And why is it not relevant to the Mechamesh Namikra, apparently according to Rashi, to understand that it came from under Kisei HaKovit? First allow us to understand, Hashem showed him a fiery coin. Didn't have any regular coins. It had to be with fire. What's the whole? What was he proving with that? Moshe had a question, and the question was not what does money look like. There are people, believe it or not, in this world. I mean, in my case, someone came to me one day, and we were negotiating something. They had to have a question. They had a question. They had to answer. 
Finally, the fellow tells me a very, very profound statement. He says, Rabbi, it's time you realized money talks. I was shocked to hear what he said. But he's looking at me and I said, you should know, you're not, I told him, you're not surprising me. So he says, aha, so you can be bought. So I said, God forbid you can't buy me, no. So, so what do you mean you know? What are you not surprised about? So when you tell me money talks, I'm very privy of that. Because my money knows how to say goodbye only. All my money talks to me. It says goodbye. <laughs> Every time I have a dollar in my hand, the ten dollars, hundred dollars, thousand dollars, says goodbye. Yeah. So money talks. There's nothing to talk about. The problem is what it says. So Mesha understood though. Mesha was not mufshid from the world. He understood exactly what's going on here. And Moshe taught the laws of the rabbi not taking bribes. And Moshe taught not only the laws of a rabbi not being able to take a bribe, but Moshe taught the laws <laughs> saying that I don't care how holy you are and what kind of chacham you are, what kind of rabbi you are, you should know that by taking bribes, you're not just going to be breaking the law, you're going to be tainting your mind. Not just your heart, not just your pocket. Your entire mind gets tainted in such to such an extent. It takes you totally out of your element. Even if you're a chacham and a tzaddik, it's going to destroy you. So Meshi knew very well the power of money. So what was his question here in essence? His question was on the previous passage. Where you're telling me, God says to Moshe, Ish Hashem, that this coin is going to be a kapara, a forgiveness for nafshay, for the soul. Wow! Wow! When a person does a certain avena, they bring a carbon. They didn't have error with this part of the body, with this, with that. There's different types of errors. For each, there's a carbon, a sacrifice. Over here, we're not talking about this one little sacrifice. Kaparat nafsho, to reveal his whole, to redeem his whole soul. So profound. Says Moshe, with a half a coin? This is Niskasha Moshe. Moshe was in shock over that a half a coin can possibly do such a thing. Therefore, Rashi says to the Bechamesh the Mikra, He showed him as if it's something similar. It's Pachoja. To a matbeya of ash, to a coin of fire. Telling the Bechamesh the Mikra that it's not as simple as it sounds. The fact of the matter is, though, that the entire Medrash is very relevant. It's not relevant to Pshutesh and Mikra, and therefore Rashi doesn't bring it down. But the relevance of the Kisei HaKovet 
and the Madbeya Shal Aish had tremendous connotations and tremendous lessons. And not just lessons, but life lessons. He say, a chair. Person sitting on a chair. When a person sits on a chair, they're settled. They're siyashus. A person could be standing. A person standing is not considered settled. A person walking or running and moving is definitely not settled. Sitting is called settled. Kavod, honor. Honor is pompous. Honor is something that I go out and I get the whole, oh, I'm me. I'm a, a personality. I'm a Mr. Personality Man. I have this and this badge and this and this plaque to show it. <coughs> so in essence, Kisei and Kovei don't even mix. They're total, it's an oxymoron, they're opposites. The Kisei shows humbleness, person settling and sitting down. And the COVID is something pompous, pomp and stance that goes out into the world. There are four forms of life form. Al-Tareb explains in Tanya, Eish, Ruach, Mayim, and Ofer. Ofer is sand. Adam, you say they may offer, we say they offer, we say on Yom Kippur, Rosh Hashanah, Man comes from dust and goes to dust. They tell the story of a, a shul that hadn't been cleaned for a while. There's one particular room that was horrifically dirty. You can well imagine the cobwebs and all the dust and the dirt. And the cleaning lady was sent in to clean up the room. And she went in, and two minutes later she came running out. Totally unnecessary. Two minutes later, she comes running out and she says, Rabbi, Rabbi. He says, Yes. Rabbi, do you believe that man comes from the dust? He says, Of course. Do you also believe man returns to dust? He says, Of course. She says, I was just in that room. I'm not sure if the guy's coming or going. This is what offer stands for. Mayim. Mayim is water. Water flows. Water has to flow. Water does not stand still. The other day we went out to Manhattan and we saw a tremendous strong current. Water was moving. Water was really, the Hudson was taking a ride, and he wanted to get into a box and flow downhill, flow down the river. One of the miracles that takes place, the Gemara tells us a very interesting story of a machlekes in Tanayim, about an oven, about an oven, whether it was Tomei or not. And one Tana said that the oven was not Tomei. And everybody else was of the opinion that it was. So he brought different proofs. One of the things was he said to the water, 
if it's according to what I'm saying, and what I'm saying is correct, let the water flow uphill. We know if water only flows down. But he was going to prove his point that he was correct, and therefore asked that the water should flow uphill. And the water did. It turned around and went uphill. I have a long story about, we're not going into the stories, not to get it to us here. Just introducing the concept of the water. Ruach, the wind. The Ruach has to also constantly, otherwise it's not a wind. You can't tell me the zero mile per hour winds. If it's wind, it's something per hour. It's got to be moving. 50 mile per hour winds? We're supposed to get this weekend, I think, some, tomorrow, Thursday, Friday, whatever it is, we're to get some really heavy winds. Huh? Tomorrow's supposed to be a nice day. Friday. Friday. 